Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, today, uh, I want us to pick up where we left off last week, and I want to talk about what we can do when we find ourselves in a place of doubt, when our questions, when our, our skepticism just looms larger than our faith. Um, if you're somebody who has a lot of questions or, or a lot of doubts about the Christian faith, you're not alone, and even at church, uh, you're not alone. If you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you to, to go back and, and listen to the sermon on our podcast, but we talked about the Easter story. And we tried to name the the elephant in the room. That this story of a dead guy coming back to life again, that can be pretty hard to believe. We talked about how nobody was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. When the disciples first heard the news, they were as skeptical as as anybody. Uh, But then they saw the risen Jesus with their own eyes. In fact, uh, many people saw him multiple times in in multiple different places, and so they they came to believe. Um, But even after they believed, it's not like they could fully explain it, and and it's not like they didn't have any more questions after that. Um, I mean, if Jesus' resurrection, it just kind of defies everything that we thought we knew about how life and and death work. There's no category for this. And so last week we said that um, if you're somebody who has a lot of questions and and doubts about this whole Easter thing, you're in really good company and you're not alone even at church. But today I want us to keep going and I want us to think about what we can do when we find ourselves in a place of doubt. Uh, Last week we talked about a guy named John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' very first disciples, and John was at the crucifixion. He he saw Jesus die. Then on Easter, John was one of those very first eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive again. And then many years later, John documented the story of Jesus. And that document uh, we now know as the Gospel of John, and it's, it's part of our New Testament. So last Sunday we explored the way that John tells us the Easter story, and he makes it pretty clear that lots of people were skeptical at first. Lots of people had had questions and, and doubts. And as he tells us this story, John makes room for us to feel those same things too. It's okay for us to feel those same things. But John also says something else that I want to make sure that we don't miss. In this passage that we read a few minutes ago, uh, this comes right after John tells us about the the Easter story. Um, And at the end of this passage, did you hear this? This is John chapter 20, verse 31. He says this, But these things are written, uh, he's saying, "I'm, I'm writing these things, so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ God's Son, so that you will believe Jesus is the Christ, God's Son. In other words, John is saying, look, I'm I'm telling you uh, all this about Jesus' resurrection for a reason. He's saying, I have a purpose in telling you this. I don't just want you to to hear it and and think about it in in some kind of an abstract way, but he's saying, I'm documenting this for you because I want you to believe it. 
To which we might say, well, John, uh, why do you care if we believe it or not? What difference does it make? Now, unfortunately, um, some Christians have inserted some, some bad theology at this point. They've kind of put words in, in John's mouth here because some Christians ha- have said, well, you better believe it because if, if you don't believe it, and I mean really, really believe it, then Jesus is going to reject you forever and you're going to face eternal fiery punishment from God and, and on and on. I wonder if some of you have been part of a church in the past that, that preached that. Um, I wonder if some of you have, have walked away from church or, or walked away from the Christian faith because of a church that preached that. If that's you, uh, you may be surprised to know then that that is not at all what John says here. What John says is, no, no. He says, here's why I want you to believe the good news of Easter. Here's why I want you to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. Again, this is John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, so that believing you will have life in his name. So that believing you will have life in his name. In other words, John is saying, I want you to have faith in Jesus. I want you to have this this strong, durable faith because when you do, it is life-giving like nothing else in this world. When you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, when you believe that Jesus is alive, when you put following Jesus at the center of your life, it is life-giving like nothing else because Jesus will lead you into the life that you were created to live. And John is saying, I don't want any of you to miss out on that. I want that kind of life for every single one of you. And John's saying, that's why I'm telling you this Easter story. And that's why I want so badly for you to believe it. So the question that I want us to think about today is what can we do when we want to believe all of that, uh, when when we we want that kind of life-giving faith that John is telling us about, uh, but our doubts feel too big or our questions feel too big. We we hear what John is telling us, but we're just not feeling it or we're we're just not seeing it. My, My sense is that many of us have gone through a time when our doubts loomed larger than our faith. I'm guessing at least some of us are in a time like that right now, or we know somebody who's in a place like that right now. So the question is, what can we do about it? Well, I actually think John uh, knew that that question would probably come up. Um, You know, by the time John documented this story for us, he had been telling the story of Jesus verbally for for many, many years. And I think a lot of the people that John had talked to, I think they must have had that exact same question. And and for that reason, John tells us the story of Thomas. Uh, Thomas was one of John's very close friends. He was a a fellow disciple of Jesus. And right after Easter, uh, Thomas went through a time when his doubts loomed larger than his faith. And as we look at how he handled that, uh, Thomas models for us what we can do when we're in that place in our own lives or, or in our own faith journey. Now, uh, if you grew up in church, if you did Sunday school or or vacation Bible school or or that kind of thing, then you may already know the story of Thomas. In fact, uh, you were probably taught to call him what? Uh, Doubting Thomas, right? And and that label of doubting, um, that's usually not meant as a compliment. It's usually meant as a criticism, as if doubt is an inherently bad thing. And and that's unfortunate um, because if you actually look at the way that John tells us about his friend Thomas, he's not beating up on people with doubts. John assumes 
that some people are going to have doubts. And, and he tells this story to be helpful to people with doubts. So uh, no offense to your Sunday school teacher, um, but, but try to forget everything that they taught you about doubting Thomas this morning. Uh, and let's look at this story with fresh eyes. This story begins on the night of the very first Easter. And just to quickly recap, so, so very early that morning, uh, Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' followers, she had gotten up very, very early. She went to the tomb, and she found that it was empty. And then shortly thereafter, she had this encounter with the resurrected Jesus. She was the first one to actually see the risen Jesus uh, after the, the resurrection. And, and she runs back to, to tell the other disciples what she's seen. And, and do they believe her story? No, they don't believe her. Why? Because they knew as well as anybody that, that dead people don't come back to, to life again. They, they wrote her off as if she was just speaking nonsense uh, until that evening. Um, they were all together in a house, Jesus' disciples were, and they were getting ready to eat dinner. And, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, the risen Jesus showed up. And the disciples are amazed and, and they have a lot of, of questions, but they see Jesus and they talk with Jesus and, and he really is alive. And John doesn't tell us how long the, the risen Jesus stayed with the disciples in the house that evening, but at a certain point, Jesus left again. And after Jesus left, of course, the disciples are, are all excited and they're processing what they've just experienced and, and they're starting to think about what this means. They're, they're starting to think about all of the, the implications uh, of this resurrection of Jesus. And, and, and as they're processing all that, they, they hear a knock at the door. So they open the door, and in walks their fellow disciple, Thomas. Uh, John doesn't tell us where Thomas had gone. John doesn't tell us how long Thomas had been away um, for, from that house. But wherever Thomas was, he was gone that entire time that Jesus had been there. And now that Thomas was back, Jesus was already gone again. So when, when Thomas walks in, all of the other disciples are like, dude, you are not going to believe this. Jesus is alive. And Thomas is like, what? What are you guys talking about? And they're like, yeah, while you were gone, Thomas, Jesus showed up and, and he stayed with us for a while and, and we've talked to him. So, so he's back and, and he's alive. Thomas, can, can you believe it? And, and Thomas is like, uh, no, I cannot believe that. Thomas says, you know, I don't know what kind of substances you guys are on here, uh, but, but three days ago, I saw Jesus die. And the other disciples were like, yeah, Thomas, we, we know we were there. We, we, we saw that too. But today we saw Jesus again, and, and now he's alive. And they say, Thomas, uh, don't you understand what this means? It means that he is who he says he is after all, and he is the Son of God, and, and he is the, the Messiah, and all that amazing stuff that he taught us, and all that amazing stuff that he did. It really is true. After all, and Thomas says, guys, uh, I hear what you're saying. Thomas says, I would love to, to believe that. I mean, really, I wish that all of that were, were true. That would be amazing. But Thomas says, look, I didn't see whatever you guys saw, and I just can't believe this. I mean, you know, if I could see him for myself, if, if I could touch him, if I could make sure that it really is Jesus, then, then maybe. But Thomas says, I just, I just can't make myself believe that this is true. Now, this is the point in the story where a lot of those well-meaning Sunday school teachers will say something like, now, boys and girls, uh, don't be like Thomas. You know, you just need to believe. You just need to have faith. Don't be like Thomas. But I think in telling us this story, uh, John is affirming that a lot of people are 
like Thomas. A lot of people do struggle to believe at times, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. I think John is telling us this story so that everybody who's got big doubts can can take heart, and so they can learn from Thomas about what to do when, when we're in that place of doubt. So let's, uh, let's take a look at what Thomas does next. The story continues in John chapter 20, verse 26. And John says that after eight days, Jesus' disciples were again in a house. So this means a, a week has gone by now. And the disciples are, are all together again, once again, in, inside of a house. John doesn't say for sure where this house is, but it's pretty likely that, that over the previous week, um, the, the, the disciples had left Jerusalem where the resurrection had happened, and they traveled back to their home region. They made what would have been probably about a three-day journey back to Galilee. And then John tells us this. He says, and Thomas was with them. And Thomas was with them. Now, that may seem like a minor detail, but let's stop for a second and let's think about what that means. It means that even though Thomas had more doubt than faith, and even though he didn't believe the way that the other disciples believed, he stayed with them and he traveled with them and he remained a part of their community. And that tells, a, uh, that tells us a couple of really important things. Uh, first of all, it tells us that the other disciples, they didn't try to kick Thomas out. They didn't try to exclude Thomas because he, he didn't believe in, in the same way that they did. In fact, there's no record of the other disciples disparaging Thomas. And so anytime churches or, or anytime Christians disparage people for their doubts or disparage people because they raise hard questions, they're contradicting the example of Jesus' own first Disciples, that's one thing I want us to see. The other disciples, they fully embraced Thomas, even with his doubt. Now, the second thing I want us to see here is actually just the flip side of that same coin. And that is Thomas also stayed with them. Thomas didn't exclude himself. Thomas didn't sever his ties with this, this Jesus community, even when he had more doubt than faith. And I think this is such an important example for, for anybody with, with big doubts uh, to, to learn from, that, that Thomas could have just walked away. You know, he, he could have just gone a, a completely different direction, but instead he kept being a follower of Jesus in community with other followers of Jesus, even in his time of deep doubt. That, that's so important, I, I wanna say that again. Thomas kept being a follower of Jesus in community with other followers of Jesus, even in his time of deep doubt. Now, now we might wonder, well, well, how can someone be a follower of Jesus if they don't have faith? How can someone be a follower of Jesus if they're not even sure what they believe about Jesus? That might seem strange to us. But it would not have seemed strange at all to those very first disciples. Because think about it. Those first disciples, uh, when they, they started following Jesus, it was not because they believed. It was because they wanted to learn more. When Jesus first called them to, to come and be his followers, they might have had hopes about who Jesus was. They might have had some kind of inkling about who Jesus was. But at that time, I mean, they had no idea that Jesus was going to get crucified. They certainly had no idea that Jesus was going to be resurrected. And so in that sense, none of the disciples had anything like what we would now call a, a Christian faith when they started following Jesus, but they developed faith and they grew in faith as 
they followed Jesus and, and because they followed Jesus. So to us, it might seem counterintuitive, but for those original disciples, they would say, of course you can follow Jesus before you believe. They, they would say, oh, of course you can keep following Jesus even when your doubts are looming larger than your faith. And in fact, they would say, uh, in fact, that's actually the best way to grow in your faith. That's how we grew in our faith, they would say, to, to keep following Jesus with other people who are following Jesus. And what we're seeing in this story is that when Thomas had more doubt than faith, that's exactly what he did and, and that's exactly what he models for us. So let's look at what happened to Thomas. Well, first, uh, Nothing happens. Um, uh, day one after Easter, Thomas still doubted. Day two after Easter, Thomas still doubted. Day three, four, five, six, seven, Thomas still doubted. But then finally on day eight, not on Thomas's time, but, but on Jesus's time, Jesus appeared to the disciples again. And because Thomas had stuck with it, and because Thomas had kept following and, and stayed within that community, this time he was there. This time he didn't have to just hear about it secondhand from, from other people, but this time he got to encounter the risen Jesus himself. He saw the risen Jesus with his own eyes, and he caught a glimpse of that evidence that he had been waiting for. And then uh, does Jesus disparage Thomas in this moment? Does Jesus say, I hereby name you Doubting Thomas, and you're going to be the bad example for Sunday school children all around the world? No, Jesus doesn't say that. He simply says, Thomas, I want you to believe. And if you're still not sure, check out my wounds if you want to. Grab my hand if, if you want to. Thomas, it really is me, so, so trust what you're experiencing here. Trust what your eyes are telling you and, and believe. And Thomas does. He says, my Lord and my God, what I, what I wanted to be true, what I, what I hoped was true, but what just seemed too crazy, what seemed too unlikely, what seemed too far out there to be true, I, I can see it now. And I'm sure Thomas was thinking, wow, um, I have so many questions, but I can see that it really is true after all. And that, John tells us, that is the story of my friend Thomas. So if you're somebody with a lot of questions, if you're somebody with a, a lot of doubts, if your doubt looms larger than your faith, I hope that this story of Thomas is comforting to you because it's proof that you're not alone. It's proof that, that one of Jesus's original disciples was, was right where you are too. And I hope that this story of Thomas is, is helpful to you because it shows you what you can do about it. You might feel silly following Jesus when you've got so many doubts. Uh, you might feel like an imposter at, at church when you've got so many doubts, but according to Thomas and according to Jesus, you are not silly and you are not an imposter, not at all. Uh, now, I can't guarantee that if you come and, and get involved with us here at Kindred Church, then all of your doubts will just vanish at some point. That's usually not how it works. Um, I can't guarantee that uh, you'll have some epiphany moment like, like Thomas did, where, where suddenly faith just, just clicks for you. That's often not how it works. Um, but I can guarantee that Kindred is a place where you can belong even 
if you don't believe. Uh, I hope that we can help you believe because what John tells us that faith is life-giving like nothing else. That's been true in my life and I want that for you just like John wants that for you, just like Jesus wants that for you. Uh, and I think that if you follow Jesus with us, you're going to see some things. You're going to experience some things that help you to believe that Jesus really is alive, that Jesus is who he says he is. I think you're going to find that your faith will grow if you get involved with this community. But even if it doesn't, even if you never come to believe the way that, that some of us believe, you are always welcome at Kindred. And you will still enrich this community in so many ways. I think this community will enrich your life in so many ways as well. So I said it last week, and, and I'll say it again. Where, wherever you're at in your faith journey, whether you're like those other disciples and, and you're 100% convinced that Jesus is alive and he is who he says he is and, and you're all in on that, or, or whether you're like Thomas was at the beginning of this story and, and you just got a lot more doubt than faith, or whether you fall somewhere in between those two things, I, I hope that you'll join us at Kindred. Let us join you as we all follow Jesus together. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and, and loving God, uh, today we pray especially for, for all of those who have big questions and big doubts, for all of those who are right where Thomas was at the beginning of this story. God, we pray that you would remove any sense of guilt or, or any sense of shame that they feel about that, God, and empower them to continue following you in community with, with other people following you. God, we pray for this kindred church community, that, that we would continue to be a church family that would welcome people at, at any place in their faith journey, that we would support one another as we continue that journey. And, and God, we pray for, for all of us that you would continue to help our faith grow as only you can. God, we pray all of these things in your loving and, and merciful name. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Kindred Church Podcast. If this episode was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.